Welcome to The One Guys Show, where we're going to be bringing you nutritional and mindset insights to help you gain nutritional freedom, lose weight faster, build a winner's mindset, all without the stress, guesswork, and sacrifice that you're used to. Now, this podcast specializes in helping women break free from the dieting shackles that society has placed them in and provides them with a clear path to success. So let's dive in. Now we're going to talk about... PCOS. PCOS is something that a lot of women in the world deal with. I believe it's something like 10 to 15%. I'm pretty sure I read somewhere. It's a lot of uh, women in the world. And I think it's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of misinformation or just a lack of information, I think, for the most part. And I didn't really delve into this um, openly and honestly until started working with Hayden like four and a half years ago, or maybe five now. Um, and I was completely new to this, hadn't heard of it, didn't understand it or anything. And then through speaking with Hayden, doing my own research, doing my nutritionist course, I've learned a lot more into it now. And it is so important to understand it. So what we want to do in this part is talk about a brief overview of PCOS, some key things to acknowledge, some key things to implement. And also we'll briefly talk about if you are using, um, you know, working out calories, how this can be impacted when it comes to PCOS as well. And I'm going to let Mr. Hayden Rolf talk about uh, this to start with, because he's going to bring you some absolute knowledge bombs and more importantly, implemental things that we can do to help. Yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that you, you want to like, you should know that there's, there's a few things at play that can definitely make um, losing weight harder when you have PCOS. Like, same rules apply though. Before I go into anything that I'm going to talk about, it's the same rules apply. Like a calorie deficit needs to be achieved in order to get to your fat loss goals. Yeah. Like everyone that I've spoke to or a lot of people, because um, there's such mass confusion with PCOS and achieving your fat loss goals, like I've heard all sorts of things like you've got to cut out gluten, dairy, like you've got to do all of these other things that aren't necessarily um, actually necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I've heard people as well say like these supplements are the, are the magic formula and you can take supplements are, that are going to benefit you, are going to help alleviate the effects of PCOS, um, but same rules apply. If you aren't still achieving that calorie deficit, it doesn't matter what supplement you take. And the same applies if you don't have PCOS, like there isn't a supplement in the world that's going to help you elicit fat loss if you aren't achieving the calorie deficit. Yeah. So yeah. the first thing to mention, like, and what is the uh, biggest kind of take home that you might want to get from this if you have PCOS is you can be slightly metabolically adapted um, when you have PCOS and you can have an an adapted BMR, which is basal metabolic rate, which for anyone that doesn't know your BMR is calories. I heard heard, uh, Simon used to call it. So a guy that I work with in social media, he was like, he used to call it your your BMR because basal metabolic rate doesn't mean a lot to people. It's like, okay, your BMR is your couch potato calories if you were to lie on the sofa and do nothing all day. And I thought that was great because I was like, oh, that, that, that does make sense. Your couch potato calories. Yeah, it's just the amount of calories that you need to basically survive the normal bodily functions. So that can be slightly adapted. Now, this is where these calculations, calorie calculators, aren't necessarily going to help you that much because they don't take into effect your individual needs. So you could be anywhere, and it's been studied up to some women can be uh, metabolically adapted up to 40%. That's mm. huge, right? So your, yeah. your calories could potentially be 40% less than what you once thought because of a calorie calculator. Now, yeah. I 
please, 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 please don't listen to this and slash your calories to 40% right now. <laughs> I knew, I knew. I was like, someone's going to sit there and be like, okay, cool. So your average, my, an average person that I've worked out, if I do calorie calculate, it's 2000, but I might be 40% adapted. That works out 1200 for maintenance. So 800 is a good deficit for me. Absolutely bloody not. <laughs> yeah. And in the, I mean, God, how long have I, so... So yeah, it, in the last like 10 to 12 years, there's only one person and, and this is going like, like hundreds of thousands of people that like, I've worked with over the course of, you know, 12 years, mm-hmm. one person I have ever got to a 40% deficit, one person. Yeah. Like that is it. And even then we had to switch up their, goal, their goals because for her, it wasn't really realistic for her lifestyle right now. So yeah. we had to then change our focuses and, and other things, but it could be anywhere between like five to 40%. And this is where testing for you becomes exponentially more important mm-hmm. because you've got to find out what the perfect amount for you is. Now it does involve a bit of a um, strategic uh, testing system. So like Ryan said to you a second ago, if you are in the position where you have PCOS, you're really struggling to lose weight and you need some clarity, reach out to us and we can kind of help you get, we can help give you a bit more clarity into how to kind of uh, achieve your goals. Um, So that's the first thing that's in play. You've got something that is going to potentially affect the amount of calories you should be eating. You're potentially maybe slightly metabolically adapted. And this can be why, this could be one of the answers to why you're like, no matter how hard I seem to stick to this deficit, Mm. I can't seem to get my fat loss results because it might not actually be your deficit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's such a key point is that like, is to, as to highlight that is that it's not because you're broken. It's not because you've got PCOS that you physically can't lose weight. It's like the law of thermodynamics is always true. It just means that instead of your calorie maintenance being 2000, it might be 1700. So therefore 1700 is your deficit because you know if you if you then were to eat 1700 as a deficit of 300 well for you that's not that's your maintenance and this is all that people don't realize and so they're like oh i'm broken you know it says my maintenance was 2000 and i'm eating 1700 and i'm not losing weight and it's like well actually you could just be metabolically adaptive that you actually need to go down to like 1400 to start to lose weight loss and this is what we're saying and i think this is also why it's frustrating for so many women with pcos is that you can you can even start with the best intentions and it's like but actually when you start you're starting at your maintenance, which you think is a deficit, but it's not. And that's the only reason as to why whatever it is, whether you've got hypothyroidism, PCOS, all these things, it's like, it's not that you're broken. It's not your metabolism doesn't work. It's just that you, your calorie needs might be lower. So it still means that if you're not losing weight, you're eating too many calories than you need. Exactly like that, that example that I just gave. You might be eating 1700 and be like, I can't lose weight. I'm eating 1700 calories and I don't even go anywhere. And it's like, well, it just means because you're eating too many calories for what you need. You know, your average person, that'd be a 300 calorie deficit if they worked it out as 2000 as their maintenance. But for you, your maintenance is 1700. So you need to go below that. Um, and I think then it kind of comes into, especially when it comes to tracking with regards to PCF, if you are adapted, Exactly like Hayden said, you've got to take your lifestyle factors into consideration because a lot of people would be like, yeah, let's just hack it. And I know I've got to have lower calories than the normal person. So I'm just going to go low. You still have to bring in that longevity, adherence and sustainability to it. And this is what I think is frustrating is almost I'd argue that for PCOS women, you also have to have a slight bit more patience because unless you want to be eating like a toddler, 
you're going to have to, for the most part for your adherence, probably have low calories, even at a small deficit. Your calories could be a a lot lower than perhaps what they would be. So it's going to mean that, yes, your rate of fat loss will be slower. And yes, that's going to be frustrating, but you've got to realize that, yes, you could go faster, but there's not going to be sustainability in regards to, one, being able to stick to adherence side, but also just from a lifestyle point of view, you aren't going to be able to socialize. You aren't going to be able to go out and have some uh, glasses of wine and entertain clients for a business meeting. Like Those things are going to be a very hard option for you to include when you're trying to lose weight. So always not only look at your calorie needs, but also look at it from a standpoint of longevity. It's like you can go fast. There's nothing. I'm not standing here saying that you can't have a bigger deficit and go faster at the gates, but I'm saying that especially for someone with PCOS who has to have less calories than your average person anyway. It's like to give to go into a big deficit is probably not going to be your best plan of action in regards to long-term-ness. Again, you could chop and change and do, you know, sprints along with kind of slower fat loss periods, but that's kind of getting into the coaching side of things. But yeah. Yeah, you, you don't need to. Like, you, you can still absolutely eat anything and like anything you like there's no foods off limit like mm-hmm. there's literally no foods off limit so you can still do these things but it's just one of those things like ryan is saying basically like you have to just be more calorie aware unfortunately like you have to be more calorie aware to, with with the situation that you have like it's the same with like vegetarians right like vegetarians and vegans like they have to be more calorie conscious because they've now cut out a huge um protein source in their life so they have to be more conscious about like the foods they're eating to get their protein level in. Yeah, yeah. And the second thing I want us to touch on, so kind of three things is obviously the metabolism side of things. I want to talk about, um, what's the word? Supplemental side, things that can help. But also then lastly, obviously talk about protein because that's a big part of it. So second thing we want to talk about supplements because supplements can help. help. Uh, as As we always say, food comes first. But when it comes to PCOS, there are a handful of supplements that are going to be actually probably staples for you to take um, to actually help improve the symptoms such as protein sparing, the way that things get delegated throughout your body um, that are going to give you the best chance of being successful. So uh, let's dig into them. Do me? You want me to go? Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, you were just kind of on a roll with it, so I was going to let you go. I mean, I was going to start with the note. So, a note, so the the first, I'll start with the first one, then you can go in from there. So, the first one is uh, inositol. Inositol is probably a supplement. I think a lot of people, to be fair, nowadays have started to understand and know about this. I'd argue because a lot of women that I spoke to with PCOS, I'd argue probably thirty percent of them, forty percent, maybe already take it. So, inositol is a great supplement because, kind of, in short. It basically helps with uh, the, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The shuttling of nutrients or the... the Partitioning. Yeah, that's the word. Partitioning of nutrients. So with that, we're going to go into this a bit deeper, but basically with PCOS, you typically utilize protein at a lot higher rate. You utilize protein at a lot higher rate. So that's why, and we're going to get into this, it's important to have a higher protein diet when we're in PCOS. But also inositol helps with basically the partitioning of those nutrients. So by taking an osalt, you're basically helping your body spare the protein that potentially is going to be using at a higher rate than your average person. Now we're going to talk into the benefits of protein. Now, inositol is something you can get from a lot of different places. 
Um, simply any inositol online. No, uh, myo-inositol is like the more commonly one. I know there's, uh, is it over-inositol? I think that's usually like the overpriced one. So I just stick with like myo-inositol. I know my protein do it pretty simply, but this is, this is its main function is to help offset protein catabolism, which is basically the, the, the breakdown and obviously usage of protein more than the other macronutrients or compared to your own individual. Um, in regards to how much to take, Four, correct me if I'm wrong, four grams a day. It is four grams a day, isn't it? Like two to five. Two to five grams um, per day is going to be suffice. Now, five grams doesn't mean that you're going to get better results. I always say this. I'm like, start at two, and then you can always increase if need be. Again, for your mid-range, starting at like three or four, and you might find every single day to take that, and that is also going to help you in your journey as well. And also remembering, yeah, that more isn't necessarily better. Yeah. Yeah. It also helps. There's other things as well. Like it does, it has been proven to help with um, like significantly reduced weight loss. Um, again, side note, it's not the magic formula that is going to elicit fat loss because again, going back to the calorie deficit, um, I don't mean to keep hammering that home, but as soon as I usually say like a supplement can potentially help with weight loss, people's focus just tend to steer straight onto that. Um, I'm going to start taking it. <laughs> so yeah it's um it's it's obviously something to bear in mind that can help um and also like by the way it can take some people have seen results up to 90 days like after taking it some people have seen six months to a year so don't take it for three weeks and think well this isn't working it's not doing anything it can take a while sometimes so you know stick at it it's only going to be beneficial because it also yeah. helps reduce um uh, insulin resistance so it makes you more insulin sensitive so again, it's got a, it's got a, it's going to help you with that. So there's more benefits to taking an toll than it just potentially helping with weight loss. Um, the, are we still on the supplement route? Yeah. 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 So vitamin D is, I, I'd argue everyone, everyone. In, especially in the UK, it can, can, it's uh, something crazy like 70%. Yeah, it can, can benefit from vitamin D, but again, always consult your doctor with everything we're saying. And here's a fun fact before you continue on that, is that to get the relevant amount of vitamin D that you need from the sun, bearing in mind the sun doesn't appear that much in the UK, we all know that, you have to have like 70% of your body, 70 75% of your body exposed for 15 to 20 minutes. And I remember Martin McDonald was talking about that, that he would say to like football player stuff, before they put cream on, go in the sun for like 15 minutes like in your shorts, because that will give you your vitamin D hit that you need, then put sun cream on. Because the thing is, is what a lot of people do is they put sun cream on and then that stops the actual uh, yeah. exposure of it. So you, yeah, so you don't get it. So actually it's good to kind of get a little bit of exposure before you put the sun cream on for vitamin D purposes. Because who walks around in shorts in the UK? I don't think I do well, that often. Just, no, it's, there's sun like three, <laughs> three weeks of the year. <laughs> so you can hit your vitamin D three weeks out of 52 and uh, you're going to be deficient. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but also with vitamin D, um, it's, it's the main thing that um, I find is most beneficial with women with PCOS for vitamin D is I always like to look at it more of an approach of like, okay, most women that suffer with PCOS, like it's annoying for them. It's super frustrating. It can make them feel, you know, a little bit depressed. 
because they feel like they are broken. And I'm just using that word because that's the quote that I hear like literally daily. Like I feel broken. I feel like I can't achieve my goals. And it really, really helps um, reduce depressive symptoms. So again, not just PCOS, everyone across the world can probably benefit with that or especially across the UK, but it does help reduce depressive symptoms. So if you feel like um, you're kind of stuck with this PCOS and it's making you feel depressed, taking vitamin D can massively help with that. Um, and it can alleviate, uh, alleviate like that feeling of feeling depressed a little bit. So, you know, that's, that's something else to consider in terms of dosages, uh, like 2,500, um, IU per day is a mm-hmm. safe dose. Um, but again, like you could start at 2000. Um, it's really, if you, unless your doctor, cause obviously some people then, have spoken to the doctors and they're purposely double dosing because they're trying to get your levels back up to normal. Obviously mm-hmm. then don't take any more, like just listen to your doctor. Um, but for the most part, again, anyway, like for everyone, 2,500 IUC yeah. per day. And, and you can, with vitamin D, you can back load or front load. So you can literally take your week's worth on a Monday, or if you forget to take it that week and it's Friday, you can take all of your week's worth on the Friday, which I think is actually a pretty amazing thing that it's like, like I yesterday forgot to take my pills. I won't be jamming all of them in me and like doubling up on everything because it's probably not ideal. So, but with my vitamin D, I can transfer my vitamin D tablet to today and I will take two of them. So just know that, that if you miss things with vitamin D, which, you know, we all do um, here and there, you can take your vitamin D vitamin day <laughs> you can't take your vitamin d uh, either all on a monday for the whole week uh or you could take it all on a friday and the best thing about vitamin d um when you do take it is to be taking with a fat source so it's good to obviously i mean as most of you should be doing anyway it's always good to take tablets around a meal like after a meal um i have made the mistake of taking it on an empty stomach and i remember i got the worst like stomach pain in the world i did it twice and every time, and I was like, oh my God, I was like, my stomach is killing. So always eat food. I mean, it says on there to be taken with <laughs> with a meal. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, a meal wasn't here. I don't know where he was, but. And <laughs> <laughs> um, L, uh, see, see my, my, my knowledge isn't that massive in the supplements for that, but I know L carnitine, I believe. Yep. I was literally about to like find my, find my book. Um, L carnitine, Hayden, dive us in. Yeah, so L-carnitine has been uh, unfortunately proven. And the reason I say unfortunately is because it's one of these things that people think it's the magic pill again. But it has been shown and studied to have a, an effect at reducing your waist to hip ratio, um, which is obviously going to be beneficial from a weight loss standpoint. Um, from a 12-week course, that was of it. So again, it's not like a take for one or two weeks. It was like spread over the course of 12 weeks. It has been shown to have some benefits. So... Um, yeah, you've got that last one is, uh, yeah, like there's, there's a few, but like magnesium, um, again is often women with PCOS, uh, are deficient in magnesium. And again, if you're deficient in magnesium, it can have an effect on like feeling fatigued and stuff like that. And that can, um, indirectly have an impact on the amount you move and the amount of calories burn. Yeah. Yeah. And that that kind of comes, there's a lot of things, isn't there? It's like a lack of iron can do that. A lack of, um, what was it? Was uh, speaking with a woman yesterday who had Gilbert syndrome. Some of you might, but there's, it's not very commonly heard about. And one of the main issues, not only obviously the physiological issues with liver producing certain 
aspects, etc., etc., was that it left you feeling flagged. And I'm like, a lot of things are like that, where it's actually the 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 way that the disease or illness, as it were, leaves you with a lack of energy is what causes the weight gain. It's never actually, like we say, it's never actually the fact that you are your body just stores fat out of nowhere. Like your body can only store fat if it has excess energy. Excess energy has to be used or stored. It cannot be destroyed. Okay, so it always has to be used or stored. So all it is is that whenever these things come about, it's like, oh, you know, she said, and she'd done a lot of research. So she was like, yeah, and it makes me feel, you know, lethargic. So like, I can't exercise much as I want. I can get to the end of work and I just have to lay down because I'm physically exhausted. So it does impact my step count, which I know obviously doesn't help. And it's like, yeah, so it's not directly that, but it's indirectly because it makes you not be able to get your output up as much. Therefore, then your calorie needs aren't as high, which means it's quite easy to, eat at maintenance or eat over your maintenance. So that's kind of a thing as well. Um, and a little kind of side note as well with regards to PCOS. So not only is it metabolism, there are some supplements you can take. Another thing is obviously, um, which we're going to get onto just kind of briefly talking, obviously protein. So as we mentioned earlier, protein um, is a supplement. Again, taking protein and making sure you hit adequate protein um, is going to help with PCOS due to the excessive uses of protein. Um, you use, I can't remember the stats of how, but you use protein at a lot faster rate compared to your yeah, so just nor, for, as I say, for, normal or average person. But from a, when you're in a fasted period and most of us are actively in a fasted period in the hours of throughout us the day. being asleep, yeah. um, you actually, you oxidize protein at a much higher rate, which basically mm-hmm. means you use that as your fuel source. So there's obviously... You know, it is more important for women with PCOS to be focusing on their protein intake because you are actually oxidizing at a higher rate. Um, um, there's there's a couple of reasons why it's it's important for you to obviously focus on protein as well. Um, again, typically some women with PCOS are also insulin resistant, so you know there's going to be benefits to exercising and particularly um, lifting weights in the gym, doing resistance training. And again, mm-hmm. if you're doing resistance training and stuff like you're going to want to consume adequate amount of protein because it's going to help um, repair your muscles. But more importantly, again, when you are um, obviously in a fasted state, you are going to be oxidizing protein at high rates. So, you know, you want to take that into consideration. Mm, yeah. So There's, having kind of regular feedings is going to be more beneficial. Yeah. Um, and having adequate protein you know, for the average part for most people, it's going to be 20 to 20 to 25, 20 to 30 grams of protein per meal spread out three to, you know, it's probably similar to to that. It's like 20 to 30 grams per meal spread out kind of three to five sittings uh, is going to be a probably good average way to go. And last little kind of fun fact before we wrap up PCOS is fruit. Yeah. So it's actually been, um, potentially proven to uh if you have 15 percent of your calories from fruit that actually they think um they're not 100 percent sure why but they think the antioxidants from fruit is what off- offsets the uh protein oxidation so again it's a smart idea mm. for you to actually have like 15 percent of your total daily calories from fruit from a perspective of obviously offsetting the protein oxidation that happens yeah. And I'd like to be honest, I'd argue that that's not a bad uh, habit to ingrain anyway, because of the micronutrients that are going to come with that um, is going to also be then a beneficial from that. 
You can also like it's not hard to get in fifteen percent easy. Like I love fruit. Like I what's that? Fifteen percent. So you're kind of talking probably like for me it'd be like four apples. Yeah, I was going to say like if your average person, like a female, it'll probably be like two apples, an apple, banana, and you know some berries. It's not loads. It helps with it. like satiation as well, which actually I want to just add a little bonus bit in because, so this is the slight bonus bit that I want to just add for you is it's been proven that women with PCOS, so when I say this isn't the case for everyone, you've got to understand everyone is individualistic. Like some women will not have any kind of metabolic adaptation at all that have PCOS. Some will, like some people will have higher cravings, some won't. It's going to be um, very individualistic vigilistic to you but it has been shown that someone with pcos actually i'm not going to get into the, like the depths of the hormones and stuff but basically post feeding do not get the satiation that a woman or a, a male with uh, without well obviously not a male but a woman without uh, pcos will have so they have a feeding um they eat a meal and they feel satiated after it it's been shown that women with pcos can potentially um not get the satiation that's required after the eating, which makes you feel more hungry, which means your cravings are going to be higher. So this is something that so many people overlook. And this is what I determined someone being a good coach to a bad coach. And unfortunately, this is just not the information that a lot of personal trainers know. I'm so sorry if you're a personal trainer and you're listening to this, but you know, hopefully you can use it as education rather than anything else. Is like, if your client has PCOS and they particularly report that their cravings are really, really high, like again, I've just shown, like told you there's a specific hormone that is not getting, um, is basically getting downregulated, which is causing you to have higher hunger even after eating. So if I go and as a trainer, go and get you to do an intense amount of exercise, we know that intense exercise is only going to increase your hunger higher. So if I'm getting you to do an intense exercise and I know your hunger is already high, like I'm leaving you in a really, really bad place here. Like, I'm not really thinking about you and your individual uh, individual individualistic needs. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you need to bear in mind. And it's something that's worth mentioning because again, what's going to, if your hunger is higher, it's going to be a huge, huge issue for your adherence to your calories. If you now on top of that, know that your calories potentially need to be lower. So you now need lower calories. You now have higher cravings and your trainer is now chucking an, a, abundance of intense exercise into your uh, regime do you think it's going to be easy or harder for you to maintain your calories well of course it's going to be harder so these are the things that have to be considered and this is where i like this is why we specialize in helping women with pcos because we understand what's going on um and we understand how we can make slight adjustments for your individualistic needs yeah yeah So, a little roundup summary. So first things first, you can have a down-regulated metabolism. So as we always say whenever using these calculators, just be aware of that. Again, you've got to start tracking. Um, A kind of rule of thumb that we typically use is give yourself, uh, instead of a 20% deficit, it's a 30%, but... If you're using a calculator, it's probably going to work out for you anyway. But just understand that when you are looking to lose weight and use a calculator, if things don't move in two to three weeks, you may need to go for lower calories again once you've checked your tracking. Second thing, good supplements that can help. Inositol, vitamin D, 
L-carnitine and magnesium for the multitude of different reasons that we just went through. Again, focusing on protein, having regular feedings with adequate protein in them can also help with regards to helping with insulin resistance, helping with increasing the amount of protein and repair if you're training as well. And then also looking at getting 15% of your calories from fruit. 